Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm excited to bring you interviews with empowered entrepreneurs who build their businesses on gratitude, self-love, and kindness. On today's episode, we will be connecting with Diana Ryers. She's an author, editor, and authenticity coach. We have an absolutely beautiful conversation on how important it is for us to create space for others to tell their stories. Please join me and Diana. Hello, everyone. Julie Boye here with my lovely friend, Diana Ryers. Welcome, Diana. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm so happy that you're here with me on this uh, call today. Uh, Diana is the founder of the Daring to Share Global, which is the book, the event, and the movement. And she's going to tell us all about what that is. She's the author of three books, one which is launching as we speak. She is an amazing woman. We were connected actually um, through my book when a friend of hers asked me about my publishing experience and then connected the two of us. We've never met in person. We've only had the opportunity to meet uh, virtually in this way. And we are both originally from Ontario, living in BC, and we've literally crossed paths living in opposite places. So she spent some time on Vancouver Island. She's back in the interior. I was living on the mainland. I'm on the island now. We've yet to meet in person, but I don't think it matters because we've created this beautiful connection together um, just virtually. So I am really excited to introduce you to my community, to this self-love project. Tell us a little bit about how you got where you are today with this beautiful work that you're doing with Daring to Share Global. Well, thank you. Uh, for, first, thank you so much for having me. This is really a great opportunity and so nice to connect with you again, even if it is virtually. Um, I got, how did I get to here? So it's like the Daring to Share way from there to here. I began this journey um, as an authenticity coach. That was about 12 years ago. Um, through our mutual connection, Tana Hemmonsley, and Authentic Leadership Global. And I worked as an authenticity coach. That's how I coined myself because it was a lifestyle coaching, but with focus on authenticity. And after I moved to Kelowna, I felt like I needed a little bit of a shift. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, we, after two years, we moved to the island and when you weren't there. <laughs> and. Um, and I met my uh, business, my now business partner, Scott and John. And uh, we started uh, sitting around having coffees and sharing stories. And while I was there, I knew that one of the things I wanted to do was, I thought, retire. But I don't do retirement very well. And uh, while sitting in these coffee shops, even by myself, I started having conversations with people. And for some reason, they shared their stories. And um, I think it's just because I, I believe in holding space for people to share who they are. And I believe that who people are is actually their story. So, um, you know, that phrase, everyone has a story and it is so true, but it doesn't have to be something, um, you know, catastrophe, uh, catastrophic or, um, or really out there. Everybody's story is beautiful. And so I started having these conversations and I decided that the book I was going to write was not going to be about myself, but about other people. I really wanted to be of service. And, and um, so I self-fund all my books. 
And I, I really want to catch a few things. First of all, an authenticity coach. Now you were talking about being authentic when it wasn't actually trending. It wasn't actually mm. something people talked about. I'm just really curious how you got into that particular work. Right. So uh, around that time, 12 years ago, I became really, really very ill um, because I wasn't living authentically. And, um, and so that's why I started doing this work on myself, which is part of the self-love. Um, I really could not live um, at that, emotion, at that um, decreased emotional capacity. I was just, um, I really didn't even know who I was anymore. And that disease uh, really jump-started me trying to figure out who I am. Who is Diana now as a mom, as a wife, as this career person, which, I mean, I was just really working to make money. So, um, and it just all escalated. It was very hard. I got uh, very uh, tired and, um, and drained and I got sick. And so that was when I found Tana and I started working on myself and trying to discover who I am and what that encompassed, the authenticity piece. Because even back then when I became a coach, how do you describe what authentic is? You know, people are like, well, it means that you're real and so on. So how do you actually implement that into a coaching practice uh, to support people to be that? And that meant living in line with, with your values, but it was about self-discovery really. So I, I've never been a fan of people telling me how to be or what to do. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> and I don't think many people like that either. Uh, it, although it's really difficult, I think it's really important for people to discover that on their own. Who am I? How do I want to be and show up in the world? Oh, so many beautiful things that, you know, you just say it <laughs> and it's like, it sounds, all this sounds so simple, of course, when we talk about it, but no, we know that it's not. It's really hard work mm -hmm. to make that decision to find your true self and your authentic self. And I love too that you evolved into different work which really, when you allow people the space and you hold space for them to tell their stories, that is allowing them to be their authentic selves. And as you were saying, it doesn't have to be catastrophic, but there's this comfort in having the space to create um, and allow for someone to just share who I am, mm. what's important to me, and tell my story. Mm -hmm. So... I'm really excited about, you shared with me a little bit about this, um, the project you did with these wonderful women. And could you tell us a little bit about why that was so special? And you, we talked actually really how it was linked to self-love for these amazing women that you can. Yes. Yes. Um, well, these are six women who I met. Um, let's make a long story short. Um, I met through Care Support Society here in Kelowna, BC, which is a women's addiction recovery center. It also involves recovery from mental illness um, and homelessness. And, you know, all of those three things are generally linked together in some way or another, often. Um, and I met, I met Philippa Douglas, who is the fundraiser coordinator and um, what they call a dream project coordinator at Care Support Society. And so they actually have something that's um, very different from a lot of places. They have a two-year recovery program. So you, the women come in at the beginning, um, they go through detox, and they stay there. So it's a little bit different in, um, in Canada. They often have to be outside of their detox for 30 days before they can go into recovery. So they have to be okay. completely detoxed. But this facility, because it's privately, um, somewhat privately funded and founded, 
they decided to do the two-year stint. So um, anyways, the, the, I met Philippa at my very first book launch, okay. and she had a couple of the women there, and she told me about the Dream Project. So every woman that goes through the CARES program can go through the Dream Project and have the opportunity to fulfill a dream that they've never had. So for these women, it's really significant because many of them have been living on the street for most of their life and haven't even had a dream to even think about. So um, they did, they found six women who wanted to write their story and we put it in a book and they're now published authors. So it's huge. It, I just got a whole body chill when you said that actually. <laughs> just to think of the impact, you're like, it's six women, but it's six women who never had, nobody probably ever asked them, do you have a dream? No. Right? Definitely. Then you show up and you're like, actually, we can make your dream come true. And it's not as hard as, you know, you might have thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, you provided the editing services as well. You put the book together. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. I put it all to, I paid for it. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I just, that's a huge gift because often when you have collaborative stories like this, the, the authors actually contribute financially to making it happen. So not only do you, did you create a space for these women to tell their stories, you actually um, gave it to them as a gift and invested financially in yourself and also invested your time, mm -hmm. which is so beautiful. And tell me a little bit about what the gift was for these women to share their stories. How did they feel about it? Well, it gave them a voice. So, um, you know, a lot of the time, and I don't think this is just for people in recovery either. Uh, it's for men, women, humans. Um, and that's why each of my books is that it has the same mandate, actually. It's about providing a voice um, and taking away the shame and blame of whatever it is that you've gone through. And, and that's pretty huge. I mean, even today on social media, like yesterday, I was looking at a post and it was somebody shaming, you know, people for the way that they're sh they show up. But really, it's about, it's about reaching a, a place of personal awareness and a personal evolution and so we really can't judge people for where they are, even if they're showing up in an uncomfortable sort of uh, way or something that isn't very complimentary even. I mean, I know that for myself 15 years ago or 20 years ago, I certainly didn't show up the same way I do now. I had many flaws <laughs> and or what would be considered flaws, but even, even, even just naming them flaws puts shame with them. Yeah. So, so daring to share, this is what we did for these women too, is that we held space for them to share their stories, but also who they are, a piece of themselves. So to actually say, you know what, I'm not that person I was before, although she's still a part of me, but she's taught me so much. And I can now show up in the world in a different way, and I want to inspire other people to do that as well. And that's what Daring to Share is all about. We don't have any mandate of selling business or doing anything like that. We, right. In fact, we're generally in the hole most of the time. But we do it because, you know, I, in particular, as the founder, I do this, uh, you know, I, I, I had to explain to my husband that I want to spend thousands of dollars to do this at this time in my life. And I just equated, I was really smart, I equated it to his golf membership. So instead of you doing that, I'm doing, this is what I'm going to do with my piece of my retirement money. And it, it's, there's such service in that and so much purpose because it's such a, you know, you have gratitude on that sign behind you. And I just do feel so much gratitude that I can work and provide service to these people to give them the opportunity to 
also pay it forward and inspire other people. Well, it's interesting how much you connect your work to being of service. Um, you know, I, you know, I've been working on this project for about a month now and mm -hmm. one of my interviews, we really came to the, to the conclusion that for this person, for Russ, uh, being of service was actually an act of self love. Totally. Um, right. Cause it, I just, totally agree. And it depends on where, and it's being of service from a place of your authentic self, mm -hmm. right? This mm -hmm. is what, you know, when we force ourselves to volunteer and get involved in stuff that doesn't light up our hearts, it doesn't, that we would do it for free or it would cost us money, as you said, or you're investing. Mm -hmm. it, that's not the same. That's not self-love. That's obligation. Yes, it is. I agree. But you do it from this beautiful place of service. And I can just tell by your energy <laughs> and the way you talk about it, how amazing it actually feels for you. It's incredible to speak from from um, self love as service. I wanted to just go back a little bit to what you were talking about people's stories, mm -hmm. and one of the ways that I try to live, I do my best. It is not always easy, but whenever I have an experience with another human being and it's not ideal, I always try and remember like I don't know their story right now. Right? You know, you have a bad love that. service experience. You're like, okay, this didn't go well, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what if this person is going through a terrible time at home? Mm -hmm. What if they have a sick child in the hospital? What if they're just grieving a loss? Like, I don't know their story. And so, who am I to assume that the way that they're treating me in that situation has anything to do with me? It actually very, comes from ego when you think that others are treating. Mm -hmm. Right. It's about me. So what I love about your work is you are addressing that, that story mm. part and it, especially with time. recovery. Yeah. So, um, what you're describing as well is I, I used to think in terms of that, like, I don't know their story. I don't know, which is definitely true. I don't know what they're going through. So then that kind of automatically, uh, places us in a mindset that if they're, if they're behaving badly, let's just use that word those words, then there must be something going on. But I think that I've come to a, a different place of, a, of, of um, within that, in that I believe that perhaps they're just not as personally evolved or as, as uh, have a heightened awareness about actually what's going on. So the social and emotional intelligence piece of uh, authenticity. Yeah. And, and so I believe it is our human obligation to be morally and ethically responsible for the people around us to model that and to support them by asking them to share their story. So just because someone isn't telling their story doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to ask them for their story. So that's the piece of daring to share that is so key. And that's the part of our movement. So there's the book, the event yeah. where we do the, the storytelling in person, but the movement is about really about educating people to take the time to not just share your story, but to ask for other people's stories because it's so easy to fill in the gaps when we don't, right. when we haven't heard the story. And yeah. then what we create is a story that's in our mind that may not be true. And then we get judgment and stigma and exclusivity. And assumptions and expectations. Yes we, you know, that others aren't fulfilling for us. And they're not even real. I mean, right. really, yeah. if you think about it, half the time we're walking around and this isn't even, 
it doesn't even make any sense. Like we're not even living a real life. So that creates disconnection big time. This is so beautiful because it all, it's like you were, you, the whole journey you did with being an authenticity coach really brought you to this beautiful place where you are today. Well, let me tell you that when you call yourself an authenticity coach, you best be ready to step into it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, right. We, become, we yeah. learn and, and, and the lessons we get are the ones we need the most and, and totally we're teaching the things that we need to learn the most often. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because, uh, you know, I have a daughter, she's nine. And one thing I try and help her with sometimes is, you know, when she's upset about not seeing a friend or she doesn't have a play date or someone, something happens. And I mm-hmm. say, I'm, I explained to her, like, what is the story you're telling yourself right now? But you're telling yourself a story about how someone's acting mm-hmm. and you don't know. And I just think like, if we can share this message with everybody, especially at a young age, it's like, ask somebody about their story instead of assuming. And so many times we make it about us and it has yes. nothing to do. I mean, generally, yep. it has nothing to do with us. No. So this is, this is so exciting. I love this work that you're doing. Now tell me a little bit. So your book is, is launched. Uh, what is the name of your third book? So the third book is um, Daring to Share Truth to, uh, sorry, Deception to Truth. Daring to Share Deception to Truth. Yes. And you have eight stories in this book? I have 10 stories. Oh, 10 stories. Book. Okay, even more. Yeah, yeah. And how did this book come together? Uh, so this book, the first book was launched last October, and then this one was supposed to be the second book, uh, launching this October. I thought one book a, a year, but then Karis landed in my lap, literally like, hi, how are you? Okay, let's make this happen. Um, and so it, it landed in the middle, and it's called Daring to Share... Um, Trauma to Recovery Special Edition 2019, because the other book, the one that's launching in November, had already been titled and and sent to to the ISBN. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize It's volume two. Yeah, it's actually volume two. And then we plumped the special edition in the middle because I had to make it happen. Um, But it's the third book, volume two, is is an exceptional book because we decided to take that piece of the movement and really focus on it so it's our sort of our social activism part piece if you will and we're launching into subjects that are extraordinary i mean we're not afraid anymore to share anybody's story or any piece of it or um you know all the uncomfortable stuff so we've got a woman who's who was in a a child pornography ring when she was at the age of five she developed um, nine personalities, disassociative personality um, disorder in order to survive. So her, her story is all about compassion, compassion for self, that self-love piece. Um, and because she really respects and honors her nine personalities because she believes she would have been dead. She would have killed herself had she not had them to help her survive. So, so we're, we're, we're really touching on topics that are uncomfortable but really important for people to understand because this particular individual, when you're speaking to her, she sometimes gets triggered and moves into the personality. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But she's a beautiful, beautiful soul. So she deserves the right to be in this world and be honored and respected. And so there, there's a lot of, there's 10 different stories and they're very, each one is very unique and very different. And I believe that when you, you know, go get the book and when you read these stories, you, it just, it just humbles us and it, and it really does take us to a place of, of gratitude, which is you. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do we find your books? Because uh, you are self-published. Yes. Yes, I'm self-published through Influence Publishing. Okay. Yep. And um, that we got, we are now registered with Indigo Books, which is oh, huge. Geez. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And uh, we do all kinds of things with Indigo. We do book clubs with our books and, and events and, and really great things. They're very, very supportive. Uh, and so that's Indigo Books Online and in select stores. Okay. Um, and then Amazon Worldwide. Oh, great. Okay. So yeah. we can just and through my website too, but it just takes you to Amazon. So daringtoshare.com. DaringToShare.com. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I will. Yeah, thank I you. mean, this always will all show up in the notes, but if someone's yeah. listening, yeah, they're not writing. To, so they just want to go to DaringToShare.com or yeah. Amazon or Indigo. That's great yes. that you have that distribution. Well, and the first two books made the top ten Amazon bestseller list. So amazing. Yeah, yeah super I, good. Thank you. So good. I mean, because you're just sharing these incredible stories, and I love how you also chose to do events to give people the space to speak yes. and about their stories as well, which is so They're beautiful. super fun. Yeah. So as I, I am focusing on self-love, you've talked a lot about it in your work, but what mm -hmm. does that look like for Diana? Because you do have a lot of things on your plate for someone who is supposed to retire. Yes, I know. <laughs> right? I know. How do you fit self-love back into your own life? Yeah, I'm so fortunate that I figured this out. And I hope this happens to so many, to everybody out there. Um, so self-love for me is to be able to um, step into my creative self most of the time, which is really super difficult. Um, but I've always managed to do it. And I've also have, I have a very supportive husband who's really, you know, helped me along with that in my life. Because obviously, I, I get it. I'm, I, I think that, you know, when people tell you, you need to do what you love and all of that, I know it's difficult because we all need a paycheck, especially at very key times in our life uh, when we're supporting children and, and each other. And um, so it, in those days when I had, I always did have jobs. I shouldn't say always. At, at, there were certain times in my life when I had jobs that I didn't particularly love. But I always made sure every day to create space for my creativity, for my writing, for my art. I, I'm, I'm not a good artist by any means, but I love to be creative. So I always created space for that. And journaling was big for me. Um, I believe that's a creative activity. Yes. Because it's like having a conversation with your soul. So um, all of those things, I learned very early on that I had to do that in order to be emotionally connected to myself. So for me, self-love is about connecting to my soul, to myself. And if I don't do that, I feel it very quickly. And now, you know, I mean, yes, I know we talked about my work, but my work is me. I, I'm so fortunate that I figured that out, that I'm able to do something that reflects who I am within my work and the purpose and service. I know that's work, but it's really also my personal life. So, so to be able to do that at this time in my life is probably because I'm retired and I'm at a financial um, place where I can do that. But if I wasn't, I would always make space for a little bit of that. I actually feel like you just gave us all permission to include our creative pursuits as self-love because Mm -hmm. we're so um, indoctrinated by our patriarchal culture that the only work that matters is work that shows up 
in your bank account. Right. And I know I'm a very creative person and Mm -hmm. I I struggle with that often is like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this creative work that's not, you know, showing up in my bank account. But I know that if without this creative work, I can't do any of the other work. It doesn't exactly joy. You know, for me, part of my creative creative work since I moved to the island is taking photos of the sunrise and the sunset and the nature and the trees. I've seen them. They're beautiful. Thank you. And I enjoy that so Mm. much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have a store where I sell photos and every, you know, I sell a few every once in a while, but it's not my profession. And I, I realize that it's okay to just allow myself to have that creative outlet. I don't have to demand that it pays me. Exactly. And I think that's what, where a lot of creative people get caught up is they demand that their art pays them. Whereas as you've said, you set up the rest of your life that creativity is the activity that makes you the best Diana you can be. Yes. And then everything else flows back. Yes. And I, and I do, I, I, I would love to reiterate just that, you know, even you can be creative in so many ways. So even having a creative conversation with someone yeah. is so purposeful because you, again, you are holding space for somebody else to share that story. And so sharing a story is not just about writing out a 5,000 word chapter or getting up in front of um, you know, people at an event. It's also having a personal conversation with somebody and going beyond the how are you and how's the weather and ask, actually asking somebody a question about who they are. And I think that that's, that's a creative conversation and it will make you feel good. You have shared so much goodness with us and I always like to wrap up with one question for you, which is, If you could uh, inspire people to make one change or add one habit or even stop doing something, just one thing, what would that be for you? Well, it would, it would totally be to, um, so I, I know that social media is really prevalent for a lot of people. I personally, sadly, cannot, cannot do my work without social media. Uh, And there's a lot of really, a lot of good things that come of social media. But if you can just peel yourself away from it and other things in your life for 10 minutes and have a conversation with someone that's meaningful, so meaningful conversation, if you can do that, especially with your children, with your spouse, with your neighbor, just somebody, have one meaningful conversation a day, it it will change you. That is so perfect. What a wonderful way to end this. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I really encourage people to uh, visit your website, to grab your books. We're going to share any upcoming events uh, when Thank this you. video is released, of course, because I'm so excited for this work that you're doing. Thanks. And just thank you again for sharing with us today. It's been really wonderful, Diana. Oh, well, thank you, Julie. It's been a pleasure. It's so nice to connect with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. If you'd like to continue your journey with gratitude or stay connected, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. Did you learn something from this episode? Was it of value to you? Please share with your friends and don't forget to add us to your favorites and download the episodes automatically when they are posted.